Welcome to the Teachers Who Quit podcast, the number one podcast for teachers who quit or really want to. And I'm your host, Tierney, your ex-teacher bestie. Enjoy the show. So welcome to the Teachers Who Quit podcast. I'm so excited to have you on this show, Tori. I'd love for you to just kick us off and share a little bit about yourself. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, My name is Tori. Uh, I am a former special education teacher. Uh, Last year I was teaching in a charter school in Patterson, and I am now an education consultant teaching teachers around the country on how to teach reading. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm definitely going to dive a little bit more deeply into what brought you to want to specifically be a special education teacher. I call it neurodiversity, but um, I would love to learn a little bit more about your journey there. But let's honestly take it back to the beginning. So I did a little research and I saw that you were an anthropology and education major. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Okay, so where did you go to college? I went to Monmouth University, and yep, that's true. I studied anthro, elementary ed, and special ed, um, and I loved my time there, and I absolutely love Monmouth, and I love the program, and I think anthro was actually, like, the perfect match for me in terms of uh, picking a second major. You know, in education now, at least you have to do that dual major, and so, you know, the study of people and cultures, and that's always something that interests me. Okay, that's really cool. And so you are originally from New Jersey? Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. So with that said, you went into college knowing that you wanted to kind of really hone in on education, like you knew that was going to be your major from the beginning? Yes. I wanted to be a teacher since I was like really young. Um, to be honest, I don't know exactly what sparked it. I used to do a lot of work with students with special needs. When I was in middle school, we used to like have these little after school dances we would go help at. Um, And I always wanted to do something with students with special needs and then went to Monmouth, definitely knew I was in education. And then that kind of pivoted to, um, you know, Orton Gillingham and Science of Reading and changed from there. Yes, I'm definitely going to be diving deeply into Orton Gillingham because that is such a useful, um, I guess, framework or method, so to speak. And Mm -hmm. so I really want to... Rewind it back to the beginning of your teaching journey. Um, What exactly inspired you to want to choose the pathway of becoming a teacher? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, when I was younger, um, I had a tutor that I absolutely loved, Ms. Zamorski. She was an Orton-Gillingham tutor. Um, I was actually diagnosed with dyslexia when I was in third grade and really struggled in school. And she taught me how to read. So I completely owe my all of my education towards her and her teaching me how to read and using those Orton Gillingham practices way back when I was, you know, in third grade. Um, and then I always wanted to then just continue on in education. Um, so I did that. She was actually um, when I was in high school, I did a work study and worked with her for a year. My whole senior year of high school, I would do like a few classes in the morning and then I went over to the elementary school and got to watch her teach and teach a few classes and work with kids and after that experience, I was like, yep, this is what I want to do. I want to be like her. I want to be an Orton teacher. Um, and yeah, that's that's what it came from. Awesome. And so um, I know you mentioned about, okay, so dyslexia. Mm-hmm. With that, I want to know a little bit about um, 
you okay so let me rewind it back i was watching one of your tiktok videos and you were doing kind of a duet feature with another creator and the creator was like asking questions and then like you were responding to them as if it was a conversation and i know there was one piece in there where um the person asked like do you like reading or something along that phrase and then you were kind of like i do it for school but i don't really love it and then so my question that immediately came to my brain was okay so do you listen to audiobooks because i'm obsessed with audiobooks even though i don't have like dyslexia i don't really enjoy reading too much i do listen to audiobooks um, to be honest and i think maybe it was just because i did my whole education like straight through it was like undergrad masters or in training like back to back to back that i was like i'm tired of reading i'm tired of school i'm not reading ever again (laughs) um so i think that was a little bit part of it just because i was in school so much and having to do so much reading that i kind of was like over it um but i do listen to audiobooks uh to be honest not very often (laughs) but yeah like i said i I do for school because i have to and i tell i'm truthful with my students too i was like listen You don't have to like reading, but you have to be able to read. You're going to need to do it every single aspect in your life. Um, So that's what I teach them. Listen, I'm going to teach you how to read. And then you can find a great book that you love. But right now, it's it's the basics. Got you. Okay. So I see that you have earned your master's in education law. Yes. Okay. That's super cool. Um, Is this from the same university that you went to undergrad? No. So I actually, um, so when I finished at Monmouth, um, I actually had a a year long student teaching experience. And then right after was hired to finish out that school year, I guess, um, fifth and eighth grade. And when I was doing that, I applied uh, to Nova Southeastern University. They have an online program. uh, So I applied for their online education law program. And I started doing courses online before COVID and, you know, online was the thing. Um, I was starting to do those virtual classes. uh, And yeah, that's, that's what I did there. So initially, when going into that program, how did you end up envisioning using that master's degree once you were finished? So I wanted to be an advocate. I felt like when I was younger, um, to be honest, I didn't have an IP 504 anything in school until I was in high school. So that big gap in my education, I was like, no child should ever be diagnosed with dyslexia and then not receive any services in school. Um, and I just felt that that was like a huge um, a miss, like in, in I don't know, my town or in the, in the district. Like, how could you have a child who's struggling and know they're, you know, diagnosed and not give them support? So I wanted to make sure that, you know, nobody else had that and be an advocate for parents and students and, and help in that way. That's really cool. I love hearing that. Um, Yes, so many questions that I could ask on that, but I'm going to loop back around to them. So I want to pivot a little bit back into talking about TikTok. You have so many unique posts from being with your family to cooking to crafting to celebrating your birthday in the summer, which I was like, yeah, I have a summer birthday too, but mine's in July. Um, And then I also saw that you at one point were taking care of some plants. So tell me a little bit about what ultimately encouraged you, Tori, to join the TikTok platform. 
I was against it at first for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> but then I once I got on, I was like, oh my gosh, I can learn so much. I feel like I'm learning way more on TikTok than I am in any other way. <laughs> I'm like, it's like free PD on everything. How to use your cricket, how to use Excel, how to use Google. Like <laughs> I feel like it's just learning so much. And I think it's just fun to make videos and I'm having a good time doing it. <laughs> yes. Okay. So then we can go ahead and move right into one of my major questions, which is what was your ultimate pivot point, as I like to call it? When did you know that you wanted to quit teaching? I think it was mid-pandemic, um, virtually teaching at home, that I was like, I am not making as much of a difference as I think I could be. Um, and that's because when I was in the classroom teaching, they had me spread across for five different classrooms. So I was a third grade teacher, a special ed teacher, and I had to push into three out of the five rooms. And so that meant, you know, students, let's say in room A, would get me 45 minutes here, 45 minutes there, but then they wouldn't get me for math, or they wouldn't get me for ELA, or they wouldn't get, you know, they were missing out on some type of service. And when we went virtual, I was able to have, you know, all, let's say 10, 15 students at once on Zoom all day. And they were like, this is great. You know, we got to see Miss May all day. I got to slow it down and modify and like, you know, really do what I wanted to do and have this little resource room. Um, and then knowing that I'd have to go back and then not get to see them for that much time or they're losing, I, I don't want to say losing services, but that they're not getting access to, you know, me in the classroom as much. Um, I just felt like, I needed to be doing something else or that they needed more and that I couldn't give it to them, which was, you know, really upsetting to me. Okay. All right. So with that, um, you already shared a little bit about it was upsetting to you. So I my other question was going to be like, how were you feeling during that time? Any other emotions that kind of um, you felt other than being kind of just upset or maybe even a little bit frustrated with how things were structured at that time? Um, I think, to be honest, virtual teaching, I had a lot of autonomy, more so than when we were in person. I felt like, you know, I was doing what I need to do for my students. I had them on when I needed to have them on. It was very, um, you know, they gave us a lot of freedom in that sense, but going back in person and the lesson planning and the, you know, uh, you know, the, the struggles of in-classroom teaching and just um, not having as much freedom or I don't want to say trust, but not, I guess, trust in, in doing what I thought was best for my students. Um, that I also was just not... <laughs> loving. So I was like, I need somewhere where I can, you know, use the science of reading, use Orton Gillingham and not be told, oh, no, you have to modify, you know, this balanced literacy curriculum that I don't want to modify, that I just want to, you know, switch over to something I know that works. Um, that was also a big factor there. Okay. So as those thoughts were coming to your mind, did you ever have a time where you thought, hmm, well, or you might have already done this. Did you say, hey, administrator like this is my preferred way <laughs> of structuring things or i'd like to move in this direction versus what i'm currently being asked to do um and of course wording that in your own way did you ever um, make that attempt or you were kind of just like i know that at the end of the day they're gonna expect for me to follow whatever vision they have for the instruction 
Um, I did say uh, I would love to do Orton all day long. I don't want to teach math. I don't want to modify social studies curriculums. I, you know, want to teach reading and I want to teach it in this way. And they actually were the ones who provided me with the paperwork. Oh, you should really, you know, apply for the scholarship for this Orton training. Um, and I did, and I got the scholarship and that's how, you know, I got my Orton training done. Um, but then to not be able to use it all day long or I felt like if I was the only one in the building who had this training and, you know, you wanted me to go get it, why shouldn't I use it all day long and have somebody else, let's say, be the social studies special ed teacher or be the math push in or something like that. Um, and the reality was that we just didn't have this, the staffing. Like, it's not like it was a choice in the sense that they didn't totally agree with it. Because I think, you know, some of my higher ups did agree. Yes, this is what they need. Um, but that was just not the reality that, you know, I actually looped with my kids for three years and I was I was that grade special ed teacher. That was it. So, you know, if they needed modifications in all these areas, I couldn't just say, OK, do you know what? I'm switching roles. I'm actually only ELA. It was just not really feasible. Understand. And so with that, did you ever consider maybe pivoting to another school or you said you were at a charter network? Yeah, so I was at a charter. So um, at the end of, I guess, last school year, um, I was looking for jobs and that's a full-time job to look for jobs. So I was really applying everywhere, like really stressed out, like, oh my gosh, how do I even, you know, it's been a while since I've applied. Um, and I did, I was looking at public schools and I was like, maybe that'll be better in a public school versus charter, who knows? Also, um, now that I had my master's and I had my Orton, my pay never changed at a charter school. Um, it went up slightly, but it, it wasn't like we had, um, I don't, uh, brackets or uh, I don't know what you call that in a, in a public school, but we didn't have, you know, that chart to tell you, oh, if you have your master's, you get that, you know, it was just not what they had or what they have yet. Um, we were actually a startup school. So every year we were adding on a grade level, pretty um, new in that sense. Um, so yeah, I was trying to get out of charter and then this job kind of found me, which was great. <laughs> I got a phone call from a coworker who got a phone call from a former coworker saying, don't you know somebody who's Orton trained? And she was like, yeah, my my friend Tori, we share a room. Yeah, of course. And then she called me to tell me to apply to this job and called 24 hours, had an interview, 48 hours, had a contract and that was it. I was moving careers. <laughs> Yeah, we're definitely going to be diving into that and how you made that pivot specifically into consulting. But I would like to know a little bit more about your um, teaching journey, so to speak, a little bit. Um, again, from my looking at your TikToks, I saw that there was one TikTok video where you put on there on the screen when admin ask and appreciate your opinion so I, I think that one kind of had a lot of like engagement with it as well and so i'm curious as when you said that so when admin asked and appreciate your opinion did you find that during your time um those three years where you were looping up looping up looping up with those same groups of students did you feel appreciated by your administration during your time in education Education. Um, and if if not, uh, what could they have done differently to make you feel that way? That's a tough question. I feel like, yes, I was appreciated in some ways, but not, not in others, kind of. <laughs> so 
I do feel like in a sense they appreciated that I was there and that I knew my kids and the fact that it was very easy for them to just kind of move me up with my grade and I got the job done. You know, like I was, I felt that appreciation and I did feel a lot of the appreciation from my, my students, my parents and the families that I worked with. But in the sense of like the knowledge that I had, I felt like they weren't using me in the ways that they should have. Um, I felt like I finished my orange trading. I had this background in education law and advocacy and I was just not getting to use it so often. <laughs> like I would sit through PDs and we would be talking about how to, you know, break down, you know, the, the readers writers workshop or like things like that, where I was like, no, no readers writers workshop. We, we don't want to guess the words. We don't want to do this. We don't want to do that. And I just felt that difference of me then sitting through that PD being like, I don't agree with a lot of this, or I would much rather, you know, talk to everybody about Orton Gillingham and how to help those lowest struggling readers in your class. And I was just not asked to do that. Um, so that I felt like, so no, they weren't appreciating the, the, the talent that they had when they had me. And now that I'm gone and I go back to visit or I have parents that still reach out to me and they ask, do you know if they're getting an Orton teacher or what is that program you used to teach them? We, we need some more help still. And, you know, I, I'm sad that I left and I'm sad that I'm, that they're not getting those, you know, that Orton or that they're still feeling like they're struggling. Um, so I help in the, in the best way I can, but it was just not working. So I had to go. <laughs> No, I understand for sure. So it sounds like a little bit there was some misalignment there. Like you wanted one thing and they wanted another. And so that that happens a lot. And depending on who your administration is, that can change. I've been at some schools before, right, where I've had one administrator and it's like, okay, very aligned. And then something happens. They might even sometimes get a promotion or sometimes they get the boot for some other reasons. And another administrator comes in and it's just like, we are not here. The core values are not the same. <laughs> like we are not matching up on what we see as what's best for kids. So it's mm -hmm. time for me to go. Yeah. Um, and I think after, you know, when I sent that email that, you know, I'm not going to be back next year. Then I got the offer to, oh, well, what if you do teach Orton all day? And I was like, guys, <laughs> I'm like, no, I can't. Number one, I, I knew in myself, I have to accept this job before I tell them because if that happened before, I would have maybe changed my mind. Oh, well, I do want to do that all day, you know? And I was like, good thing I did because I could have been easily persuaded. Oh, yes, I do want to teach Orton all day. I do want to do this. Um, but I'm like, nope, too late. <laughs> I already said yes. Okay. So when you were going through that um, process of looking for jobs and everything like that, um, before you got the call from the friend of the friend opportunity. Um, I'm curious, did you let them know? Did you tip them off a little bit? Because listen, I know that every year, for example, you know, now even as an administrator, okay, this is our last week of school. We come back in January and we're like looking who's coming back, who's not, right? Um, so did you give them any kind of heads up? Like, listen, I'm trying to pivot or I'm considering other opportunities or you just kind of like laid low and was like, if I secure something, then I'm just going to exit. Um, so I kind of laid low. <laughs> they did send out something. Um, you know, if you're planning on not coming back next year, please let us know by whenever. Yep. And so I waited until that day <laughs> and then I let them know. Um, and I did get an, you know, a, an email. Oh, are you planning? And I was like, Oh, you know, I'll let you, I'm not sure yet. Letting you know by whenever. 
Um, and then on that day, that's what happened. I sent the email, then I got that call. Are you sure? How about this? It's like, nope, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I am going. Wow. Okay. So yeah, sometimes that's what you have to do. And mm -hmm. and I love that you said that you accepted the offer and then you went and told because you knew yourself and you knew like, okay, mm -hmm. because your heart is there and you want to keep serving those kids. I mean, you're obviously um have very strong connections with them. You still go back and you're still communicating with some of the family. So I can see how that that can be a hard decision for sure. So with that said, um, what are all of the opportunities that you were considering pivoting to once you knew that you were for sure going to leave teaching? Because I asked that because at one point I saw that you had some teacher journals and I believe that was still related to like Orton Gillingham. Mm -hmm. um, I also saw that you had an Etsy store. Um, mm -hmm. You were making, I saw some really cool onesies and like some bridal celebration stuff that you have been making and you bought a cricket. So what all were you truly considering um, pivoting into? So um, a lot of my job applications were, were to public schools and either in the special ed teacher position or um, I had in a few interviews for behavioral classes and, you know, gen ed positions and all of that. Um, I feel like those other kind of things are just my little like side jobs. Um, me and my little cousin Julia um, make things on our crickets together and we had a little Etsy going or selling things on Facebook here and there. Um, I also did do the Orton teacher journal and um, that was really just for me. And I'm kind of in the midst of writing a, a third one, like a little book to go along with them. So um, those are all for me, just like little side hustles. Um, but the main jobs that I were looking for was either to be in a classroom. I really didn't even know that a consulting job like this even existed until I got that phone call. And I was like, what is this job? Is this real life? Like, <laughs> are they really going to, you know, send me all around and let me teach and like, and do this? Um, so yeah, I, I really was looking for that classroom job, but this kind of found me. <laughs> so the side hustles never crossed your mind to become a main hustle. No, it didn't really. Okay. Yeah. I was just really kind of have those, you know, going on the side and, and I thought they were always just, you know, things to do for fun. Um, I never saw it as like a, as a full-time situation. Yeah. And it definitely could be. So I was mm -hmm. like, hmm, I wonder if she was like considering that at one point, because I know entrepreneurship is like in goal 100% for myself. Mm -hmm um full time because I just don't like working for people. Um but that's just me. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so with that said, um uh, thank you for sharing a little more about that. And so let's just dive into what you're doing now. So the consulting thing. You have a lot of posts on your TikTok about dyslexia, about Orton Gillingham. Can we just pause right here and go ahead and define Orton Gillingham? Because I am going to be fully transparent on my side because that's just how I roll. Full transparency always. Um, I never heard about that. Okay. Yay. I can tell you. Um, okay. So Orton Gillingham, and this is my little spiel in the beginning of my presentations, uh, created by Dr. Samuel T. Orton and Miss Ann Gillingham. 
and they studied students with language processing difficulties and disorders. And they found that the best way to actually get information to stick for students to get it into your long term memory is the see it, hear it, feel it approach. So it's not just looking at the words on a page, it's not just sounding them out, but actually having some type of kinesthetic tactile experience along with that. Um, so they had the research for over 90 years and they created this one on one program, super prescriptive, super diagnostic um, for students with dyslexia and processing disorders. Um, so yeah, and then that transformed to Sunday System and um, a few other programs. I know Wilson, Burton, um, you know, other Orton Gillingham based programs, programs that just have that multi-sensory, see it, hear it, feel it aspect. I love that. And so um, that's just kind of really beautiful how your story makes that full circle. It's like, okay, you were this third grade student, or I believe you mm -hmm. mentioned your third grade teacher and stuff like that. And um, you had dyslexia and you said like you didn't get any kind of formalized, um, I guess, support until high school yeah. with it. Um, and so now you get to kind of serve and um, reach students uh, doing the same thing and making sure that they have um, access to what they need to meet them where they're at, which I think is just really amazing. And so when did you learn about education consulting? To be honest, I really didn't even know it was a thing until she called and I was like, I don't even know what this job is. Am I even qualified to do this? Am I allowed to do this yet? Like, um, I truly had had no clue it even existed until she called and I looked up the company and was like, oh, this is a thing. <laughs> um, but once I, you know, searched it and did some research on the company, I was like, this is my dream job. This is exactly what I want to do. Um, and I, you know, applied very quickly and got that interview. And yeah, that's that's how it kind of all came together. But I really had no idea it even was an option in education. You know, when you go to school, nobody tells you that there's other fields in education you can go into. They just prepare you for the classroom or, you know, prepare you. Not <laughs> Nothing can really prepare you, I think, to be a teacher uh, until you do it. Um, but yeah. Okay, so are you loving it? Like, how's it going for you? I am absolutely loving it. It is the best job I've ever had. I truly love it. Um, they basically will send me a few weeks in advance districts that I'm going to be going into, whether they're in New Jersey, anywhere around the country. I just got back um, from, a, from a long trip. I've been in Ohio, Arkansas, California, you know, they send me all over and um, I go into the districts and I give presentations. I'm like the PD for the day. Um, and I teach everyone all about science of reading or in Gillingham and then how to use our um, our system. So do you find the teachers to be very engaged because you know how it is when they bring in presenters for PD and it's like, oh, I'm just going to this because I'm requesting. Yeah. <laughs> I have some of that at the beginning. <laughs> and I tell them, it's okay. We're going to have a lot of fun today, you know, and I, you know, change a lot of their minds about, you know, current practices and what we're doing and why we have to change, which is nice to kind of see that transition from beginning to end, because I do have a lot of reluctant teachers in the beginning and everyone. I know as well when I went to a PD that I, you know, I need to do lesson plans. I need to do this or that to be in a seven hour PD on a topic maybe you don't know about or you don't want to know about yet um, can be tricky. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun. I do have a lot of fun. OK, so would you ever consider not working for a company, but pivoting into just doing your consulting thing for yourself? Ooh, tough question. I don't even know if uh, maybe I would maybe consider it. 
Um, to be honest, I love the company I work for. It is, a, there's like a, a great little group of us that are consultants. We all got hired at the same time and I really love it. So I think if anything, I would possibly move into, I actually just got an email the other week um, for a Zoom call to get some more information about MSR four and five, or actually five and six, I should say, um, which is the next two classes to become an Orton teacher trainer. Um, to train other teachers at a local college. So if I ever wanted to stay more local and maybe not do as much traveling, I would consider something of that nature. But right now, um, the fact that it's all kind of combined in one, they tell me where I'm going, you know, uh, the jobs are already booked and things like that. I, I'm loving it. So when you're not traveling, do you get to work from home? Yes. And I do have some virtual presentations as well. So it's not all travel. Um, this week, I have like one New Jersey school, two New Jersey schools, actually, and then two virtuals. And then the other day, I'm just home. Awesome. That's yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, what do you love fun. working from home? I do. I do. I also <laughs> love working from home. <laughs> yes. Um, I've had so many long commutes over my time in education that it's like working from home is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. um, so with that said, what does your day-to-day -day typically look like? You can maybe tell us what the day-to-day -day looks like when you are traveling and on the road. And then you can tell us a little bit about, okay, when you're working from home, what does that day look kind of structured? Mm -hmm. um, so I'll, I guess I'll do the at-home one because I feel like that's a little more calm. Um, I start my day, wake up, get my computer all set up. I have my GotCam ready to go, um, make sure I know my Zoom logins. And then I wait for my teachers to join in. Um, we do our long seven-hour day. I give some breaks. We do some activities. And then that's it. My day's over. I send a follow-up email, provide extra resources, let everyone know how to reach me. Um, and then I have a few like after work things like attendance logs and things I have to send in. And it's a pretty simple day. You know, the presentations are, I don't want to say the same every time, but you know, you get, I think I get, I hopefully, I get better at teaching them as I go. So it's it's familiar each time on, on what I'm saying or how I'm teaching it, um, which is nice. But when I'm away, I feel like it's totally different. Um, I have to book my travel a few weeks in advance, get the car, figure out where I'm actually driving. Sometimes I feel like I'm in the middle of nowhere. Um, get there, uh, check into a hotel, find my school, do the whole setup out of school, and then kind of pack it all up and drive to my next location. And in between, you know, I always like to have some fun, find a cute coffee shop or find somewhere nice to eat, things like that. Okay, so you mentioned earlier a little bit about how pay was structured in the charter schools where you didn't really move the needle too much as you went up year for year so how would you say it compares to the consulting work that you're doing now are you a little more satisfied uh yes <laughs> yes i am <laughs> okay that's really good to hear because that is one thing about education consulting. It does pay very well. Mm -hmm. And so it does make a lot of sense that people pivot into that. But I, I really love that you're in education consulting because um, a lot of the times when we think of, or I'm not going to say we, when I think of education consultants, a lot of the time um, I'm not represented in them uh, in addition, in a multitude of ways. I'm not represented in them. And a lot of the times it happens to be people who have 
been in the work for like ever and then it's like you elevate to the level of education consulting you know so it's really beautiful to see um people more and more each day i'm like oh you're a consultant you're a consultant whether they work for a company as a consultant or they work for themselves as an education consultant seeing more people who are not too far off from my age range is just really really cool to see and so with that you just really are able to serve as a mirror of what's possible for other people out there all right so what was that interview process like it was to be honest the most calm interview i think i've ever been in i it was a phone call interview and it was two of them and that was it wow phone call yes i never uh well it was one and then she said, let me know, send me an email if you you know, want more details. And I was like, yes, I wanna chat on the phone one more time. We had another call. And then I got got the offer. That was it. It was like two quick phone calls. Not, I don't wanna say quick, I had a lot of questions. <laughs> um, but it was two phone calls and that was it. I never you know, saw my, my boss on Zoom or anything like that. It was just phone calls. Okay, wow. So, um... From the time that you were told about the opportunity from the friend of a friend to the time you were extended the offer, what was that timeline? Oh, gosh. Maybe it was, I want to say maybe no more than two weeks. Wow. That's amazing. It was really quick. (laughs) That is awesome because, oh, my gosh, so many interview processes are I know. It would take forever. (laughs) Exactly. So that's awesome. They knew what they want. They knew they found the person. Boom. That's really beautiful. Um, okay. So with that, how did you end up preparing for this interview? Were you feeling pretty confident? Because you're like, okay, I'm Orton Gillingham certified. I know this role is tied directly to that. I'm just ready to hit the ground running. Or what were the thoughts going through your brain when you were going through the two rounds of interviews? Like, how did you prep? Um, I was feeling a little confident because I was reading on their website that they needed somebody who was Orton certified. And I was like, okay, I have that. I, I know my stuff. I've been, you know, using Orton, I feel like my whole life. Um, so in that sense, I kind of knew, I knew the topic so well that I wasn't as nervous, I feel like, and I didn't really do so much prep. Um, I felt like I researched more of their company and, and how they were founded and, and all of that good stuff. And the funny thing is actually the program I went through to get my Orton certification was created by the creator of um, the actual system I'm selling, which or teaching. So Arlene Sunday really helped make Fairly Dickinson's program. And then she also made her own system, which is sold by Windsor Learning, which is who I am directly working for. Um, so it's all kind of interconnected. I felt like I know the product and I know the area so well um, that it was just it was a good match. And I relayed that in my interview and I guess it worked. <laughs> yes. So while you're talking about that too, um, how long did it take to get your Orton Gillingham certification? That's a two year process. Okay. Yep. And so it is two years of um, two days a week, three hours each day. So it's a practicum experience. It's like upfront lectures in the beginning and then um, two hours of tutoring plus like an hour of class after. Um, for two years straight. So (laughs) it's a lengthy process. So with the Orton Gillingham um, method of working with students, what have you been able to see is really the great gains and difference versus when students don't receive the Orton Gillingham method of service? 
Um, there is just huge, huge differences in in terms of what students are able to retain and learn. Um, even just knowing the English code in general opens so many doors and to know that we don't have the trickiest language to learn that actually 87.5 of the most frequently used words follow the rules. And it's just teaching that teaching the rules to students um, really opens up a lot of doors for them. They can read longer words, they can read on their own, be independent. Um, it, it really is such a great program um, that, you know, I say everyone needs or in, everyone needs it. <laughs> so even adults, even, you know, older students who are struggling, it, it really helps. Okay. So what resources would you recommend for another teacher who has quit or is considering leaving teaching and who want to follow a similar post-teaching pathway as you as it pertains to consulting? Mm -hmm. um, I would say find find a company that you really believe in, like that has the message that you are totally aligned with, whether it is, I know um, when I first posted that I got this job, I had a few people reach out, oh, I'm working for Raz Kids or I'm working for, you know, different consulting companies that hire consultants. So really just finding a product that you love or finding your little niche area and what they have to offer would be the first step, I guess. That's really great. A great first step to take. Um, I think um, the listeners will find that valuable. And so where can everyone connect with you online? Um, you can connect with me on my TikTok if you want, Tori May 96 um, or on Instagram, which is Tori Alexis 96 So either one is how you can reach me. You could probably email me too or, uh, you know, anything like that. Okay, awesome. So we'll have that linked all down below in the show notes for everyone, but really have enjoyed this conversation and for um, giving us a little intro into the pathway of becoming an education consultant. So thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, your story with us, Tori. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to the Teachers Who Quit podcast. Keep listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe and leave us a review to get a shout out on our socials. And remember to shamelessly choose you.